There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week. Today is Josh Goodstein, the production manager of Oso Brewery Gilbert. Welcome, Josh. Greetings. Welcome. Nice to see you guys. Thanks for having us. Now, this is a, this is an anomaly for several reasons. It's, a, it's about 3 o'clock on a Sunday, and Centauri has actually two drinks in front of him, a glass of beer and glass of vodka so normally he doesn't drink before six o'clock in the evening but it is appropriate we do have an oso distillery and an oso brewery so centauri i feel like is doing just the proper vetting of the situation so that's not true because i drink before 6 p.m a lot of the time okay yeah that's fair i, I was taking like, a is shot that continuing <laughs> past midnight or is that starting after that's a story for another time okay. that was my attempt at irony oh i see i see what you're doing yeah oh, yeah yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So I have the absolute uh, highest amount of reverence for the military. I've got a grandfather who's an Army veteran. I have a brother who's an Army vet. I have a brother who's a Navy vet. But that being said, Josh and I went through the war together back in uh, Old Town Scottsdale and, and, and Scottsdale, Arizona in the uh, the 2000s. I think you were probably 24, yeah. 25. I was 25 or 26. And so... That's been a number of years now, probably What 14. was your number one spot? Like, what was around back then? Uh, um, I was mean, that, that like, might have been Sanctuary, like, Access Radius Like, days. Mist? That was, and like, also would have been Mist. Although George and I weren't, like, club people. No. We were more of, like, the, like, dive bar. That's right. Which I still am. I hate the really fancy bars where it's, like, I feel like I can't just enjoy myself. But uh, George and I might have made dive bars divier mm. at the time. Yep. Now there's we someone that could do that. That would be would be you guys. We are we, we are now upstanding, productive <laughs> members of society with all of our legal rights still intact. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's 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 very correct. So good job. Yeah. I guess. Here, and to you as here well. Here we are. With all my fingers and toes and, and all that. Relate that to military service. I did. So, yeah. Right, okay. We'll see like, how that plays. Uh, we'll see how that plays with the public. I feel like it was seamless because <laughs> I did the whole reverence thing in advance. Yeah. And then backed into it. Oh, uh, we might get some comments on this. <laughs> Could be. Be good. Let's go. Anyway, it. changing gears and moving towards complete maturity. Yes. Josh, you are like sixty or seventy days away from getting married, so congratulations. Thank you. Is it like getting more terrifying or or more exciting by the minute? No, I honestly, the the fiance is not a bridezilla, mm. so the only thing that's becoming stressful now is like actually making her make some decisions. Like, I know you don't care what happens besides, like, just a marriage on a beach, and which is great. And I love that she doesn't really care about much else as long as she still wants me there all the time. Right. But uh, now we have to tell other people what they're supposed to do there, and that's the hardest part. Like, saying, okay, we need to tell those people what to expect. <laughs> but outside of that, um, just making sure it doesn't uh, fail miserably somehow. I mean, I know we'll get married, so that's going to happen. That's really all you need, right? Yeah. Destination wedding, Mexico. It's hard to mess that up. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be bad. Excellent. Well, we are here and kind of in the middle. And she still likes me, so okay, that's, right? that's good. 
seems like the biggest challenge. Yeah, I asked her this morning and she fully confirmed it. She still loves me. <laughs> Good news. Is, is, <laughs> I check in every day so, just to make sure. I'm like, I love you. Are you still good? Yeah, right. perfect. Do you still love me? Yeah. Yes. Do you still like me? Eh. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes she doesn't like me, but she always right. loves me, which yeah. is great. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So it, it, it is a beautiful Sunday, and uh, you are hosting one of um, your beer schools, which yeah. happens two or three times a year. Yeah. It's a rotating function through the Blue Pine Society, and they've... Um, they try and locate them in different parts of the city or state just to give different people access to them. But um, it benefits the Blue Pine Society, which is a testicular cancer uh, research organization and fund. And it allows a bunch of people that are interested and curious about beer, beer making, beer processes to come in and learn from different breweries uh, about techniques um, and how they make their craft. So is it uh, is the beer school pretty popular? Yeah, actually, it sells out every time. Um, usually around 150 people. Wow. And we have to wow. cap it at that just to get people moving around. Right, right, about right. Um, this week we have this uh, school we have four breweries involved. Um, usually the host place has a team there, and there's a couple guys from Oso Brewery Paradise Valley upstairs. Uh, we have Goldwater Brewing Company, we have Renhouse, and one of the new players in the scene, uh, uh, Crushcraft, which is a cider maker, and uh, they've been turning out some really cool ciders, and they are also here bestowing the knowledge of cider. Wow. Cider is not something, like, I never thought about how cider's made. That's yeah. awesome. You guys Fermented all... honey. So you yeah. have, we can't technically do that under our liquor license, uh, because that would fall under a winemaking or meat-making type of production. Um, under a brewery license, you have to make a product that is at least 30%, I think, don't quote me on that exactly, but at least 30% malted barley. Um, at a distillery, you make distilled spirits to ferment any other total product, like honey, which would be a meadery, or uh, like apple juice, which would be like a cider maker, or grape juice, which would be a winery. Right. Those all fall under a winemaking category. The more you so know. the cidery would fall under making craft wine. So uh, tell us a little bit about what was the impetus of, or decision to bring the Blue Pine Society here. Why did uh, you guys do it? Mark Semler, who's the organizer of that, has been passionate about um, kind of bringing the, um, the general public into the process of how we all make our craft. And... Um, uh, because of our Arcadia location, where we do constant beer classes, um, rotating out of there, it, it's, it's something that we're pretty comfortable with because every single one of us have at one point been at Arcadia and taught classes along with um, just people that signed up out of the public to come in and make a beer. And uh, that is just, it was sort of a seamless transition. And I've done a beer school in the past um, I, I find the reaction of the people that sign up to this to be a pretty, you get a lot of aha moments. Hmm. That's awesome. So four organizations come together and you said it was 100, 150? Yeah, right, 150 people. 150 people and it's it's how long? What, what, uh, what just break, break down the break actual school? Down, so they break everyone into groups of four. Uh, they spend about 20 to 30 minutes at each station. 
you get to try two specialty products that each of the breweries or cidery brought in, and then there's usually a lesson plan along with it. For example, when I did um, a beer school uh, a year and a half ago, I did um, uh, water profiles in beer. And um, what is interesting about that is people know all these different styles of beer, but now we have reverse osmosis and a lot of things that allow us to craft any type of water profile that we have in a beer. Um, those styles were created because of the water they had centuries and sometimes multiple centuries ago. Uh, the water in the Czech Republic in Germany was very soft, which was super conducive to light, light, light uh, beers. Not really good for having the hard minerals that um, balance against dark roasted malts. You mm. go to Ireland where there's lots of hard water, uh, very similar to Arizona. It's very hard in Ireland. Yeah. Living. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's a lot of potatoes. Um, and uh, they, they were, their water was more conducive to brewing a stout. Um, it's not that they didn't like light lagers, but with all the minerals that were in their waters, it tend to not be as productive in making a light beer. Um, what's interesting now is that most of the breweries use RO. We can build any, we don't want, if there's no minerals in there, it also sucks for beer, except for some exceptions, but, um, but we can build any water profile um, that we would want. So if you want to brew a beer like you could in Ireland, you can make a w Ireland water profile. If you want to brew a beer like in the Czech Republic, you can build a Czech Republic water profile. But what I did in my beer school class is you can actually manipulate the water profile in finished beer. Um, so by adding calcium carbonate, calcium chloride, uh, even just some table salt to finished beer, you can manipulate the amount of malt presence, you can manipulate the amount of bitterness that you taste, even in finished beer, which I think is something people didn't think you could do to like even just a beer that's already in glass sitting in front of you. You can make that beer more bitter. You can make that beer taste sweeter and maltier wow. in finished beer, which was, and that's that sort of aha moment is something that um, you can do more of that manipulation at the beginning, but at the end you can still tweak it a little, um, which is interesting. Um, and I think those sort of aha moments to just the general consumer is something, and then maybe a little bit above the general consumer because they give at least a slight of a crap about like how it's made versus a lot of some people just want to drink a beer and I also respect that and that's fine if they don't care. But the, to the people that come into beer school tend to be slightly at least interested in how the craft is made and uh, to give them that sort of information um, is, is cool. Uh, today, I know Goldwater is talking about uh, temperature importance throughout fermentation, finishing, which is, I mean, literally one degree makes a, can make a incredible difference. Um, I know Renhouse is talking about just the general hot side process, which is your mash and boil. Uh, the guys from Oso Paradise Valley upstairs are talking about um, off flavors in beer, which is something that is sometimes a blessing and a curse. Like my fiance could drink beer anywhere on draft. And then when I started pointing out what dirty draft lines taste like, now she'll like get a beer somewhere and just take a sip and she'll be like, oh, it's a dirty draft line. And like sometimes I'll try and lie to her and she'll hand it to me to taste it. And I'll be like, no, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's a dirty draft line. <laughs> and it's uh, like sometimes maybe you don't want to know. So it's, I have battled back and forth on the off flavor thing. <laughs> But, um, is, and, is there a simple way to tell? 
Uh, yeah, once you Obviously. know, once you know, you know. So there's uh, the I most feel common like we, ones. People probably don't want to know. No, no, and so well, the good thing about beer is there's no known pathogens that can grow in beer, so you won't die from beer. Like you can die from bad food, you can die from bad water, you can die from a lot of stuff. But we boil our product. It is a sub four six pH product, so it is an acidic product. It is an anaerobic product, so there's no oxygen in it. So because of all of those other factors, it's under, it falls under a category which is like grass, which is generally recognized as safe, um, which keeps at least you can know that you may drink a bad beer, but you're not going to die from it. Like at least to this point, there's no known pathogens. Sure, the Russians might be working on something, mm. um, but the, I'm just kidding. Putin, I don't know. Putin's probably working. On they something. for sure are nefarious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like it, uh, some of the big ones are um, uh, diacetyl, which tastes like uh, butter, butter popcorn, um, acetaldehyde, which has like a sour apple character. And when I say like off flavors, it's not like. It's just maybe um, missteps in your fermentation or your practice. Um, but you can also pick up diacetyl at the end with, like, dirty draft lines. And that's just your typical dive bar that George and I used to drink at yeah. in 2005 where they put the faucet into the beer and right. fill it up. And that can cross-contaminate back in the line. And it just tastes dirty. So it's entirely possible that when I drink beer that does not come from a dirty line, I don't like it. Because every beer that I drank during my twenties came from a dirty line. So there's a there's a fun thing about that. Uh, Rolling Rock, as a matter of fact, is one of the like literally. If we go into a, um, a lab setting where they'll they'll talk about, they have these chemical po- components that you can add to beer and pick up specifically so that you know you're exactly getting those just specific off flavors. Uh, but Rolling Rock has a very common off flavor in it known as dimethyl sulfate, which comes from not having a vigorous enough boil. Uh, dimethyl sulfate's naturally occurring on grain, and specifically pills and malt carries it the most. Vigorous boil for at least like 16 to 90 minutes, you're going to boil that all off. Um, if you don't have a vigorous enough boil, it can leave some of that residually behind. Uh, they were acquired by Anheuser-Busch in probably the late 90s, early aughts. And when Anheuser-Busch examined that beer, they're like, you know, like, my God, like, this is a very definitive off flavor. And they brewed test batches where they boiled it better, did change the process of it. Um, and people tasted it, and they're like, what the fuck is this? Like, this isn't wrong. Uh, Coors, for example, uses a super inefficient lager strain. Like, there's way better lager strains that they could use that would finish their beer quicker. But if they change that, there's very specific things that, like, and that's not off flavor in Coors. It would just taste different. And then, and like, so who are you to tell somebody that's been drinking this beer for 20 years that that's wrong? It's not wrong. It's what that beer tastes like. And if Rolling Rock, you like the flavor of that, great. If you like the flavor of Budweiser, like when I drink Budweiser, it's a definitive acetaldehyde off flavor. Next time you drink a Budweiser or a Bud Light, if you taste a slight bit of sour apple, it's because that's acetaldehyde. They, when they say beechwood aged, it's because they take staves of beechwood and they put them into their lagering tanks to speed up the lagering process. And it makes nucleation points for the lager yeast to turn that lager out quicker. It causes acetaldehyde, but that's what people accept as the flavor of Budweiser. That's what they want it to taste like. Budweiser, almost all knowledge that you could have in brewing 
we owe to those macro breweries because they have billion dollar labs. They know everything. They about know the beer. they have the R and D, and we know yeah. everything we do about beer mostly because of those people. Like they discover things, they discover efficiencies that we can all take on small scales, which is incredible. And there's times I go to labs like that, and I'm like, holy crap, this is incredible. But like, so they know those things exist. But if they change them, people will be pissed. Right. And it's so you can't say it's wrong. The dirty draft line thing, though, that might still the off flavors. You might be able to just accept as how you drink that beer. A dirty draft line, though, those are those are hard to get over once you realize what they are. So with the uh, with the beer schools, what's the ultimate goal? Do people just come? What do they leave knowing? Or is it just kind of like does it build on it on each class, uh, so or what do they, they do? They don't really build a ton on each other because it tends to be different people. Um, if there is better organization, maybe we could. There could be some like beer school like two hundred one, um, but I think people as they start to go past a point of this level, they're going to start experimenting with home brewing, or they're going to start experimenting with buying different styles of beers. If anything, this is just meant as a good like gateway drug into. So it's an know, entree, the one hundred one into yeah, what beer yeah. Okay. This should get you at least like. Okay kind of make you ask questions about the beer that you drink. That's great. And awesome. benefit a cool shirt. Yeah, for sure. For those people who don't know, which was me until earlier today, and as always, you could fill the ocean with shit at that, that, that I don't know. Uh, 10,000 men every year are affected with or diagnosed with testicular cancer. And interestingly enough, the average age is 33, which wow. I had no idea about. So wow, 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 wow. a very, very important cause. Um, so 150 people going through, obviously they're paying money to be a part of it. And obviously some of that money is going towards raising awareness and yep. fighting the good fight. So I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, your thoughts on the, the speaking of Budweiser, on the Bud Light commercial during the Super Bowl that threw shade at Coors Light and Miller Light. Oh man, that was, I got so many people that text me about that. But what it's honestly, it's like, okay, so one, you got like marketing is incredible on these things like just like i mentioned the beachwood aging nobody knows what beachwood aging and if i, I ask no people they either it. have no idea what it is or they think somehow it touches a barrel like beachwood like i have no idea what that means. like you, you, you just nobody knows what that's that means. What I so thought. they take something that is something that is for their product and they make it sound like it's helping you like coors like cold filter Okay, right? Like, try and filter a beer not cold. Every brewery that filters something, it's absolutely cold. No, it's different than that, Josh. So, <laughs> so when when they say so, they, one they they decided to put their their ingredients on the side. At uh, the beginning of this year, a law went into place where if a restaurant has a restaurant or any place you're selling beer to has more than twenty locations, you have to give them full nutritional breakdown of your beer. So. They have to already give that information out now, starting at the beginning of this year. Why not make it be a good marketing tool? We're going to put it on the side of our box. If they didn't put it on the side of their box, it was going to be in an Applebee's menu anyway. Might as well nip that in the bud before people see it from Applebee's and one of their servers like, I don't know, it's got rice in it. They, they don't understand that. So we should take their, like, we as Anheuser-Busch should take the reins on this and we're going to slap it on our box and sound like we're the good guys and we don't have anything to hide. Two, they use rice, and they shit on the people using corn. So you're using an adjunct to get sugars. Yay. Like, it doesn't matter. You're using corn. They're using rice. You're using the same stuff. If anything, at least the corn's coming from the United States. I did like how the corn growers kind of crapped on Budweiser wow. for that. They're like, 
well, we're right down the street growing corn. We'd like to talk to you about the efficiencies of using corn. Budweiser's traditionally used rice. It's cheaper than barley. Coors and Miller use corn. It's cheaper than barley. So it's just trying to get... Sugar. You uh, Yeast eats sugar. The product is alcohol. There it is. And we need at least a minimum amount of barley in it to call it beer. So nice. how do we cheaply get more sugar at a cheaper price than just using barley? Corn, rice. So I'm curious, as someone that obviously knows beer in and out, um, do a lot of folks in your profession, do they frown upon those who drink Budweiser Coors? Or is it just like, uh, whatever you prefer? Yes and no. I mean, but... There has to be a reason I, why it's so popular, I, I right? Only, oh, yeah, totally. And the, the thing is, is I only really judge um, beer if I'm at a brewery. Hmm. Um, if I'm at just a regular bar, like, I have friends that be like, I don't know I don't know what their beer list is like. I'll drink a Coors Banco beer. Yeah. Like, if I go out, that's kind of my go-to macro beer. I'll drink a Banco beer. I'll drink PBR if I'm at a bowling alley. Like, if I'm somewhere that, that it's... <laughs> I love how you associated PBR, like... Well, one I mean, place you would go would be a bowling or alley. Or dive bar. Yeah. I mean, like, lots of, like, I usually Coors Banquets everywhere. That tends to be my one. And if I, but if I see it, there's, like, dollar PBRs. Yeah. If I'm somewhere like <laughs> yeah. that, to the Roadrunner, it's right across, like, not far from my house. Dive bars, like, 50 cent PBRs on Tuesday nights, which really? I haven't done in, like, a year. Oh, I'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> At the hey. Roadrunner. Well, anyway. Um, uh, so, like, I, I actually don't really judge beer unless I'm at another brewery. Then I'll sample the beer because mm. these people are putting out a product at their brewery as something. And then I'm like, okay, what do I think of their lineup of beer? And usually I'm impressed with at least something on their menu. There might be ones where I'm like, oh, it for me. There's ones I like of ours and there's ones I like less of our core lineup. But you have to brew to the masses, not right. just to... If you brewed beer just for like the beer geeks, you would be out of business. They're incredibly fickle and they are such a small part of the market. The people that come in and want something that doesn't taste like beer are, are a bigger part of your market than people that are like, oh, what's this like barrel-aged saison? You know, I mean like soured saison, blah, blah, blah. That's such a small market. Um, there's a few breweries that have carved out that niche like really well, but you have, there's a thousand more that went out of business before you even heard of them. Right. Probably should have uh, clarified this right off the top. How long have you been in this in this line of work? Uh, I've been home brewing since like 2006. Uh, I've been brewing professionally since 2012. Nice. 2013 it was kind of how long uh during home brewing like how long did it take to actually make something good so my first batch tasted like beer and i was blown away yeah um, and i was like oh my god this Hooked. tastes like beer if i could if i could if i could go back and taste it now actually i do have a bottle of like the first bottle of my first batch it's like sitting in my house in wisconsin i'm sure it's total garbage but uh they, uh, it, it's like my second batch went horribly wrong and I did something wrong and I ended up going through and still bottling it and grudgingly opening because it, I was like, oh, maybe because at that point when you're bottling, you add priming tabs, which are little, uh, sugar tabs. And because you aren't getting the yeast out and that little bit of fermentation carbonates in the bottle for you. So I'm like, maybe it'll be better once it carbs up. And I threw tabs into all of my bottles and did like several cases of this beer and then I put them in the fridge after they supposedly should have carbonated and 
popped one and it was terrible and I think it took me like a month to even just give up and throw them all out I would like open one and be like oh god that is disgusting <laughs> I'd be like oh and I'll drink something else occasionally I would like grab another bottle and open it and be like just yeah, power no, th- through this, this one, no no I would never drink it it was that bad it was terrible <laughs> And then after that, I realized, then you have to, like, wash all the bottles out and save them and tell your friends not to throw them out because it's, like, you have to go get the ones that aren't the twist on top, so you have to get, like, the actual capping top ones, collect them, and you're like, all right, so bottling's stupid. And then I started doing, like, the small corny kegs, which was better. And then, being in Arizona, my production of beer went significantly down in the summer because standing in front of a boiling pot of water for six hours, like, in the middle of the summer out in your driveway is not thrilling. Um, but, uh, the Arizona has a really cool, um, homebrew society. They have one of the largest ones in the country. Um, and there's a lot of interest. And I think that was partially because we didn't have a ton of breweries 10, 15 years ago. And there's a huge underground homebrew club, which feeds back to people that are interested in stuff like this. Blue Vine Society. Love or it. this beer school. Two more questions, sir. <clears throat> Advice that you would go back and give to your uh, 26-year-old self who was just starting <laughs> making beer. Uh, I would go back like a few years before that and tell myself not to ignore the chemistry classes that I've had to retake since. <laughs> like I'm like, chemistry, I'm going into business. I don't need this stuff. <laughs> what, a waste, what a waste of time. Yeah, chemistry. Turns gonna, out. What, am I going to be a doctor? <laughs> so there's other stuff that you can do with chemistry. Uh, we have a chemical engineer who's at our distillery, Greg, that you guys had on, uh, probably on your one of your earlier ones with Jeff. Yeah. And he is a should have gone into like oil or something and made billions of dollars. But instead, he's an idiot and he's working at a distillery and a dispensary too. He's picked the other two vices. Um, but no, I mean, there's like, and actually, we just did a talk at ASU um, uh, about other with literally a bunch of chemistry and biology majors. And it's like, so if you don't want to become a doctor, what can I do with my degree type of thing? And they're bringing in people from all sorts of different That's fields awesome. to use chemistry. That's really awesome. And like one of them was uh, um, myself and a, a guy from Grand Canyon and uh, another brewery. And we were like, so there's this, there's actually a girl that's been coming in and interning at our brewery just because she was interested in beer because of that. So I would go back a little bit further and maybe tell myself like, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself in just like what you think you're supposed to do because i learned later on that i was like this isn't i can't sit behind a desk like this isn't my like what i'm meant to do but um if i went back to like myself and first homebrewing i would just i i would do similar to what i did maybe do it more often but you would uh just you know read as much as you can i've been to intensive brewing science at uc davis and i've been to a lot of other labs but some of the stuff I've learned the most in is in books and just like from reading different brewing books and being in breweries I would just tell myself I wish I could have told myself to go find a brewery locally and just like ask them questions and get in there earlier because yeah, yeah. I would have been ahead of where I am now like That's actually I still good feel like I'm catching up and uh, you know like I still am always like I mean granted that's probably the best way to be in life like I imagine you guys in your career if you feel like you're comfortable you're behind so like always staying like you need to be finding more information finding more um that would be the thing that i would always just try and encourage i would have pushed myself into a brewery sooner but uh yeah that that's pretty much it got it and what do you wish that the uh or wish that the general public knew about beer that they didn't or what would you encourage them if they were curious about learning about beer 
Um, I would encourage them to do stuff like beer school, like try and um, learn as much about it as they can. But in a more macro perspective, if what I wish people would know, and it's hard to make people appreciate this, but if they appreciated how hard it is to make a consistent product, mm. like crap on crap on Budweiser or Coors or any as much as you want, you can go anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, and drink that beer, and it's going to taste the same. Now, breweries have the luxury of sometimes not having to make a consistent core product, but every single one of those beers, like a few weeks ago, I just dumped a batch of beer, and and it, and it's like it's heartbreaking to be like go through a process and you're like yeah this isn't right down the drain like so we went through a six hour brew day we had three people in working there was one person working in the cellar so you have that labor hours then there's the ingredient cost and then we put it upstairs and we pitched yeast into it and we fermented it and that sat in tanks for like a week week and a half before we're like something's not right about this batch of beer and to take it and dump that down the drain freaking sucks yeah but it is a product think about every time you cook dinner and like sometimes you cook the exact same meal like i made a steak this week and it turned out great next week you make a steak and you're like oh, it's a little overdone or like yeah, it's you know a little drier than i did before that marinade wasn't right the spices wasn't right like all of those things go into like making the product of beer and it's just like it's it, like the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that every brewer that I know puts into making this product happen, and the hours are insane. Like, I, it's probably the only fight that I have with my fiance that she's like, oh, you're, you're not coming home yet. And it's like, I, I wish I could be like, oh, I'm in surgery. You're like, no, I'm at the brewery still. And you're like, and it's like, I'm not sitting down having a beer sometimes, but not huh. typically. It's because you're not sitting down having a beer because something's taking longer. You're filtering right. a beer and the filter gets plugged up and you're like, now my four-hour filter to run turned into a 12-hour filter run. And it's just like those type of things I wish people would know on that side of beer. But a lot of times people don't care about where the, any of their products come from. There's a guy that makes to use a business term widgets that like spends a lot of time making those widgets and people buy them on Amazon and they're like I don't care this one isn't right like right so I mean it's it just the just the amount of work and care that I think most brewers put into their product I think that's what I wish everyone would appreciate mm. that's good awesome how can people learn about beer school uh, Blue Pine Society would be the best way to follow it Mark is really good about showing where those um where and where those happen next i think the next one is in the west valley and then the following one is going to be up in flagstaff mm. um and they're usually a couple months apart i think the west valley one is only like a month from now and then flagstaff's in a couple months um but follow blue pine society but a good way locally in town if you're in phoenix i uh, would just uh, follow oso brewery arcadia as well and sign up for some of the brew classes you can brew and brew with a couple of the guys there. You pick the style of beer you want to make and actually go in and make it. Like, go through the process of making beer. It'll open up more questions. I have friends that ask me about, they're like, yeah, I got a homebrew kit. Like, you want to come do it? I'm like, the first time? Nope. I will make you hate beer the first time. you Like, there's way too many variables that I would start talking about that would make your head explode. So I always tell them to, like, go through it once. Like, make it. Just do it. Like, do it all the way through. Just do and it. then let's taste it. And then I'll tell you, like, what I think might have happened. Most likely there's going to be something wrong with it. Uh, I mean, there is on a lot of beers, but uh, um, it's, it, it like, go through it and do it once, and then, like, let's talk about it. And I think that Arcadia program is one of the best ways to go in and see it 
and you're like, okay, so this is what making a beer is like. That's just a like a homebrew system on steroids. So I think that one is a, a really good way for kind of an indoctrination into beer. Fantastic. Love it. Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure. Now we drink more beer? <clears throat> more now, beer. Now it's time to drink more beer. Yeah. So I will list in the, the, the notes of the show the uh, information about where you can find Blue Pine Society, where you can find <clears throat> everything you need to know about uh, the brewery program at Oso Arcadia. And if you've not been to all the Oso locations, they are phenomenal. This is my first time at the Oso in Gilbert. Mine as well. And it's, uh, I mean, downtown Gilbert is somewhat mind-boggling. Yeah. You've not been down yeah. here in a little while. But this is an incredible, incredible location. So come check this out. Um, thanks again, Josh. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. As always, keep questioning because the struggle is real. On behalf of Centauri and I, thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to the show. Leave us a review and feel free to share the show on social media. Thanks a lot.